Hi, I'm Karen. Hi, I'm Devya. And this is the 20th episode of Thinking on Thinking. In this episode, we talk about generative AI. We look at what's changed since we last spoke about it a couple of months ago. And we talk about some of the interesting use cases we're starting to see, whether it's music editing or, or music generation, or finding pathways for new kinds of drugs, especially ones that don't have the potential market to attract pharmaceutical companies. This is also our last episode of season two. It's been a delight to be on this journey with you as we've made it from our initial missteps in season one and explored some deep topics in season two. We'll next be replaying one of our favorite episodes from season one before we kick off season three two weeks after that. We had a lot of fun recording today's conversation and we hope you enjoy. On the weekend, I was talking to a friend and she was feeling very grumpy about the fact that they have appraisals coming up and she has to write sort of by Monday. This was on Saturday night. And she was like, by Monday, I have to write 25 different people's appraisal summaries. And I was just like, oh, just ask GPT to do it. And her face went from, oh, my God, what a drag to, oh, that would be fun. And like a lot of these repetitive things, which... Is it entertaining? Is it like going to mm. provide any value? Most of the times people are not even going to read it, right? So, like, I feel like that part has been really fun to just think about, oh, you could just use GPT to write something or you could just use Midjourney to write something here or like not write something, That's Midjourney to make something here. It's like a, a uniquely human uh, a trait in some ways where like when confronted with limitations or certain kinds of like shapes of boxes that you know it feels like we're in uh finding just some path around it right so i think in a lot of countries bureaucratic hurdles have just become these big things you have to deal with and in some countries right i think it's uh, there's some country in, in eastern europe i want to say that's like like has made everything online and all government services you can do online i mean india has also done a great job of that uh Hmm. creating an AI agent that would be able to help you just like navigate these like bureaucratic hurdles that we have put in place in companies and in society. It just feels like that's what's going to happen. Like it's just, that is the way that we seem to approach things as like a species and as like a culture today. It's like, you know, we could try and change the shape of the problem, but we could just solve the problem in a crazy way. And then people don't have to think about it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. We could ask people to not write weird self-appraisal and other people appraisal forms. Or we could just ask an AI to write the forms and then we would have a lot of garbage being generated. Correct. And it's like, oh, okay, why solve the root of the problem? We can just have an entertaining solution that will. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's very Twitter. (laughs) Have you seen that uh, people who are selling courses about how they use GPT or Midjourney or DALI or Stable Diffusion to get to 100,000 followers on Twitter or 100,000 followers on Instagram and stuff like that. And it's just like, this is an oddly specific solution to a problem that probably nobody wanted to solve. Yeah, there's always going to be, what is it called? Snake oil? Snake oil merchants? Salesmen? Yeah. Have you ever heard this expression? Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm sure yeah, people Whenever the buy. new snake oil comes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, though, because I remember in a podcast a little while ago, we were talking about how you felt like the hype around NFTs and um, like 
like crypto had made people kind of like not understand gen AI or re- really just kind of giving gen AI the like focus that it really attention and deserved. Um, do you feel like that's shifted? I think that like people who were crypto bros probably or people who are NFTers are still probably in that space. It's also very interesting. Recently, I found a couple of people who are like, oh yeah, I'm building for Web3. I'm developing for Web3. Um, I am internally like, haven't people moved on from that? Haven't people like, you know, gotten over the blockchain already? Um, these are like people who are making... Oh, is Web3 the blockchain? Yeah. Things which are built oh, on see. top of black blockchain. Um, websites that would make your payments go through blockchain and games which use blockchain, like NFTs and cryptocurrencies as their um, main trading currency. It's just really interesting and strange that there are people who are still stuck in that loop. Um, hmm. And I suppose there would always be with any technology, there would be early adopters, late adopters and all of that. While it's also very interesting to see that most of my friends who are working in big companies like Google or Amazon or Facebook or wherever else, they are seeing the massive amount of resources that are being devoted to the AI side of things. And which is like definitely not what mm. happened during NFT cycle. I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah. Like, I think that... No, I think you did it at the end there. But go on, yeah. Like, I think that um, like certain people are able to see that like this technology matters. Hmm. Marketers, I think, are pretty excited about the potential for at least like generating marketing copy. Where like I feel like there's constantly LinkedIn posts from like people in my extended network about like they're using I don't know some Chat GPT like for something like that. Hmm. So my sister's partner is building a startup in the generative AI space. They started in November last year, um, and they've been trying to build this thing that that would let you make comics using stable diffusion so almost like whatever tiktok did for people making short form videos they want to do that but for comics and storytelling um and like it's also very interesting i was having this conversation with a with a team that works in culture tech and they were talking about how gen zers generally look at themselves as creators and creative they do not think that i need to be drawing or making music to look at myself as a creator oh that's interesting so like less of the the imposter syndrome around being an artist yeah and also just like almost this is a part of of course i do this of course this is a part of who i am there's nothing almost like there's nothing special or different about it of course i am i would more like i would be falling behind if i didn't do it kind of a sentiment yeah but like in that space if you're making content making products that sort of let people generate content of a new variety that they didn't think was accessible to them before it's like a very interesting and exciting space to work in and because of him and his startup and a bunch of other generative ai people i guess i know a bunch of people who are working in this space nobody is still doing it for sound right i feel like we might have talked about this on one of our early podcasts. no no no. people are doing it for sound so interestingly a lot of the sound models are this was one of the critiques that people gave of stable diffusion and mid-journey initially that they have just taken stuff which is on the internet right like the visual data is on the internet on the other hand people who are building that for music like google released this thing which made generative uh, music stuff sound effects and music both um they haven't generated 
Wow. Yeah, they haven't set like built an API for it, so you can't use it yet. It's still in the research phases, but it's very interesting because those people have not been using copyrighted stuff. They are not using Katy Perry's music or Taylor Swift's music. They are actually using open source stuff. But now it's also happening for uh, Adobe's uh, visual AI is ethically sourced, for the lack of a better term. Mm. Um, but yeah, people are doing it for music. Yeah, I saw those press releases. Have you used the Adobe Not one at yet, all? Not yet. No. Is it similar? Not yet. Interesting. Um, I'm I'm also super curious to see the sort of like alternate sources. There was this podcast. I think it was Radio Lab or Endless Thread. I'm unsure which one. But there they were talking to this team who was working on pharma molecule production using AI processes and. Uh, their software was basically, they were trying to create molecules for medication or treatments for diseases that affect less than a thousand people every year. So oh, there wow. would be no incentive for a pharma company to work on it. But on the other hand, if this AI can give you the process, you can actually find a bunch of different processes for it. Because you know that, okay, this is the protein and then, you know, you can use this protein to do things. Um, so I would also be excited to see yeah. the research in biomedical sciences and in astrophysics. Well, that's that's actually feels like like novel discovery in organic chemistry was kind of what you were talking yeah. about there, right? Because, yeah, they're always trying to like come up with new compounds for different kinds of yeah. things. With process, actually. I'm sorry? With process. It wasn't just that you can use this molecule, but this is how you would get to this molecule was also what their system was returning. Oh, that's very cool. That's interesting because that's a whole like line of work is coming up with different pathways to get to different molecules. Yeah. That's interesting. At least from my, my understanding, this is this is kind of the line of work my husband does. For some reason, um, you're not able to predict well, theoretically, what is going to happen. Like they seem to do a lot of actual like like chemistry, like physical chemistry in order to understand hmm. the, you know, what is the yield going to be? What are the substrates? Like what? Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting to me because I would imagine you should be able to predict it from like, I don't know, chemistry equations. You would not be able to. I think that like when people think about science, okay, this is like totally not about AI. But I think when people think about science and the predictive power of things, we often think about physics related systems. Like there has been philosophically a physics dominance in the scientific narrative. Yeah. Right. So people understand Newtonian physics and they think if X happens, then Y should happen. We just understand that cause and effect thing a little bit like that. Um, and that's why quantum mechanics is so complex for most people. Because mm. quantum mechanics doesn't follow that rule. I don't think that chemistry really works like that. One of my friends also works in organic chemistry. The same is true for them also. It's a chaotic system. Small things, small changes would really impact a lot of different things. Like what is the temperature? What is the pressure? Where was like, you know, what were you using? What purity were you using? And it's just way too much to actually be able to like physically reproduce honestly like physics also doesn't work very predictably if you were working in civil engineering or mechanical engineering they don't have like predictive equations for most things they work within an error margin and they're like okay things are probably not gonna fail if you work within this thing we'll double it so that it definitely doesn't fail but like yeah that I think that's more of a difference between like, you know, what we expect, how, how difficult we expect things to be and how difficult they actually are. So it makes sense that like, even with these guys, they are also, okay, so the episode was actually about these guys who were building the system so that they could find medicine. So generally they would think that here are XYZ factors, but if it affects human body in toxic ways, it does not matter if like, you know, my sleep would be improved if it stops my heart from working, right? <laughs> so huh, like, uh -huh. that makes right? Sense. Yeah. So now they reversed that variable that, okay, what 
could be toxic and he let the system run overnight and they came up with an extremely high number of very potent toxins stuff that is way more powerful than anything in existence right now because of course a lot of fringe chemicals would be like that right and then they sort of went into the space of oh my god international governments are going to try and pay us for this information and we have to make sure that they, we don't they even told the cia that no we are not going to give you our program we are not because of course governments would want to do that right like they would want to use this as yeah. a bioweapon um but uh, this other person that they interviewed in the same in, uh, same episode she was talking about there is a great gap between knowing what molecule to produce and being able to actually produce it in any significant volume and that is not something mm. that ai can do it can get you to the point of okay we know what to make and these are five potential ways that we could make it but that doesn't mean that any five of those paths are going to be viable it can curate the knowledge that's available to you but it can't create new knowledge basically or even in this case i would say more like the system is quite chaotic you cannot predict it it is not predictable it's a little bit like regardless of the amount of data that ai models have had for years on market they just can't predict how the market would work because market is an inherently mm. unpredictable system it's the same as like how in quantum mechanics you have heisenberg uncertainty principle regardless of how much information you know it doesn't matter yeah you just can't know the full state ever yeah Interesting. Okay, what did you find interesting about that? I was actually kind of thinking about something else for a second, which was like, I was thinking about what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, a lot of what happens in companies is people are helping figure out what information needs to be known at what level, and they're helping bubble that information up, right? So sometimes that happens in a top-down approach where you're kind of have given these uh, missives, missives or like understanding of saying, you know, this is the kind of information we want bubbled up. Sometimes it happens in a bottom-up approach where, you know, people are telling their managers or whatever and saying, you know, here's something that's happened and slowly. And I was thinking about how there's a lot of curation that happens at, at each point and I think at the earlier points a lot of what we're doing is there's a lot of noise inherent in the systems mm. these days right like we have more analysts needed because we have so much noise coming out of all of our data sources mm. and I think that if you think about it kind of as a curation problem uh, it just lets you think about where you might be able to slot your kind of you know your AI agent into into your hierarchy yeah it's just kind of interesting I mean you can think about it from saying yes it's going to eliminate maybe all these like low level jobs but I think it's also interesting to think about like you know it's going to eliminate a lot of like maybe or just reduce or it's going to change the nature of some of the kind of work that's mm. done at those roles right like it'll, it should at least make it easier to um, kind of a funny example but I was hanging out with a good friend uh, yesterday who sews and so we were talking about how if you work in that profession if you mm. you know work on costumes or something you have to mm. carry your sewing machine and what we were talking about is how your sewing machine, well, all the sewing machines have certain quirks to them, right? So it can be very difficult to use someone's sewing machine. So at first, when you hear about the industry and you find out that people are carrying your sewing machines to work every day, it seems crazy. But then when you understand a little bit more about how people might become accustomed, they know it stitches in a certain way, and you have to watch out for these certain things. I think if we start to think about Gen AI or, or AI agents in that way and saying, you know, we're going to need to understand what the quirks of these tools, where do they slot in and what are the things that we have to watch out for? Um, then it'll make more sense on just like where do you slot it into that hierarchy and where where does it add value without hmm. kind of adding more confusion yeah that's a very interesting example because there is that feeling of this is unique this is different and this is more like a collaborator with a mind of its own rather than something that i am just able to i don't know put a coin in and get a result out 
Yeah, exactly. Like it's interesting to me how much things have changed even since mm. the last few times we've talked about it, right? When we when we were talking about Gen AI a few months ago, right? You were kind of raising where you felt like the hype cycle had passed it by, and now you look around like the hype cycle well, is just so much. I was not saying that the it's hype crazy, cycle has but... passed it by. No, no, let me correct it. I was just saying that people who are into crypto are going to be slightly more distrustful of the next thing. That's it. Not the hype cycle has passed it by. Yeah, <laughs> please I, no. You were <laughs> Okay, fine, fine. I think you were, as I remember, at least you were saying kind of in the context of venture capital that you were wondering about, like, were people going to invest or did they feel like they got burnt in the next I was not talking about, no. No? We were talking in, we were talking in context of people who have invested money in crypto, as in people who are investing in crypto, not venture capitalists who have invested in crypto, but people who have purchased crypto off of their own money. Generally, in the last session, they would have, or rather in the last cycle, they would have seemed as tech optimists. And because of the burn, they would have become tech pessimists. Yeah. With the next side. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, interesting. No, I somehow slotted that into my memory as venture capitalists, not not as uh, in retail investors. But that makes sense. Um, anyway, so all, all I was getting at, though, is I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if we talk about another oh, yeah. couple of months, like where things are um, and what kind of new tools are on the market. Um, there's actually a bunch of really interesting, I know we, unfortunately, I'm remembering this all now, but there's a bunch of really interesting tools that have started mm-hmm. to come up just across the spectrum, whether it's into like you're helping you n- know better uh, like what sort of advertising copy and like imagery to use, something called Pencil. My sister and I were texting about a few days ago that claims it's going to help you figure out how to optimize your copy. It's just Hmm. like it's one of those painful things where you got to run through variations of copy and headline and add to figure out which one is optimal for this audience. And I think, yeah, right? A lot of those kinds of like curation problems, it feels to me, should be able to be picked up across industries. and And I guess like at least my sort of intuition here is also that people who are more in a position where they can figure out the good from the bad like marketers who can tell oh this is good copy and this is bad copy and who have more of a sharper sense of taste would be able to do very well in the current AI environment as it sort of proceeds compared to people who are generally relying on oh we will just test and see That's interesting because I was thinking about that in the context of like the how we used the Adobe AI mastering for one podcast episode and then you really felt like it it took something away from it. But I feel like people who are less skilled would perhaps not have, you know, they may have been willing to say, you know, even if this is 60% as good as when we master ourselves, be more Mm. willing to kind of take that up uh, because it wouldn't felt like as big of a gap to them. So I wonder if there might be that kind of I don't know, it might get to a certain group of people on that competence, like uh, confidence curve that yeah. we were talking about, I think a couple of weeks ago, right? Where, where um, depending on how, how inept versus <laughs> how much aptitude you have for the task at hand, but then also how much confidence you have in yourself, you know, in, in your ability to perform the task at hand, that there will be a certain group of people who will be like, oh, now that I have a, an AI agent, I can predict the markets, I can write poetry, right? Like I can do all of these things because they're standards for, for where they kind of need to be or not as developed. I mean, there's also this factor. So I was talking to my sister and she was talking about how if ChatGPT is at, you know, 20 out of 100 in proficiency of the artificial intelligence, um, mid-journey or stability are at like 4 out of 100. And there's like that major gap. And she's talking about GPT-4 in this case that like, you know, GPT-4 is maybe at 20 out of 100. And it's just really interesting to think about it in that context that maybe like, Maybe this Adobe uh, like audio thing was just like at one out of hundred and we could see that it's making the audio sound really bad. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, just if you just see the kind of progression in the last few weeks and yeah. months, right? It's so obvious that we're, we're kind of in the early days. Super exciting times.
super exciting times. Okay, maybe like we can talk about AI again in a couple of months, couple of episodes. Yeah, I, I think that'd know. be very cool. I think it'd be very cool. Yeah. Good chat. Good chat. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking on Thinking. Our theme music is by Steve Gomes. If you found any of the topics we talked about interesting this week, we'd invite you to get in touch with us. We'd love to invite you on the podcast or just have a conversation about how these topics apply in your business and in the decisions and problems that you're struggling with. You can get in touch with us on our website, joyous.studio, or by reaching out to Divya or me, Karan, directly.